0: Welcome, pilots. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency because, as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 211 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, recorded on Friday, April 27th, and made available for download on Tuesday,
2: May 1st, 2018, over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Henry. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And Tony is tonight's stream lover, so no one has to stream alone tonight, especially during the intro stick. Isn't that right, Henry? Henry. That's it. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your
0: comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com.
1: You can reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak or Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so hit us up. Tell us what's on your mind.
2: And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at feeds.GuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything on Friday nights, then you should come and join us at 10 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency live over on twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim
0: podcast ever? Please consider supporting the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo,
1: and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our patrons who support us week on week, and we hope you consider joining them. Because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Just head over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help us out.
2: And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO,
0: the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out over at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
1: And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern.
2: Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Henry? In this week's Flight Deck, we bring you
0: all the headlines from Simulated Space, including latest news from Overload, Elite Dangerous, and Star Citizen.
1: Next, we'll get the news from the Deep Black with Spencer McDunn on Galactic Public Radio. Then Commander Kinetic Impulsor gives you laser leads and Nuggets for Nuggets.
2: And after that, we continue our audio adventure, Guard Frequency Origins, as our pilots get down and dirty in the dirt. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun.
1: Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the flight deck. Speed 175,
0: Port Bay, hands-on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical
1: with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of Space Sims.
0: Overload, the spiritual sequel to Descent, will officially release May 31st of this year. So congrats to the guys and gals over at Revival Productions. Check out Steam and good old games
2: next month for the Hullabaloo. Elite Dangerous is ending max support as of the release of the 3.4 patch in the fourth quarter of 2018. Somebody just went and won up those Navy pods who were so proud of their sky drawing skills, and your favorite space rescue rangers just got factionized.
1: Yeah. Star Citizen announces ticket sales for CitizenCon twenty eighteen, another dot dot patch, and somebody made a crowdfunding slash oil field analogy that's got me all in a dither.
0: Okay, so I know Tony's dying to talk about the oil thing, I know. right? I,
1: yeah. I can touch on it, or I can go into full ranty soapbox mode. But I want full a lot
2: ranty of, soapbox mode.
1: Well, but the problem is we've got so much else to cover this week. It sounded we like do? a short list of things. We, yeah, it sounded do? like a short list. But there's a lot going on here. There's 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 depth to that to that list that that unexpected depth maybe. So, first of all, uh, congrats to the Overload guys. Um, we've had them on the show, and uh, they're going to officially release their game on May 31st on Steam and Good Old Games. Uh, congratulations to them. They're going to have a 15-level single-player campaign and 12 challenge modes, a bunch of different robots, three boss fights, gobs of weapons. Uh, they've got a free Steam demo going on right now. You can buy it for 25 bucks now, 35 after release. Uh, and they were going to hold off on the multiplayer version, uh, but that appears that that's going to be released at launch as well. So congratulations on under promising and over delivering. The next part is about Elite Dangerous. Yeah, Mac support. They, that's crazy. Th- that's the big news, right? That, well, that's it's the, uh, we're ramping up slowly, ramping up slowly. So the max support ending thing, I got to imagine that of the three other pla- of the four platforms, I guess that they currently have. Uh, PS4, Xbox, PC, and Mac. I got to think that Mac's probably their smallest installed base. And from what I understand, Horizons has never worked on the Mac because of the way that they do shaders or something. Uh, OpenGL, I think, is the problem. Macs stopped supporting it or something like that. So um, I got to think it was a small installed user base, hard to support or hard to to justify supporting that for much longer, especially if they weren't going to be able to continue up with the modern graphics stuff that uh, Elite's going to require. So, sorry Matt guys, but once again, you're kind of left in the dust. Next thing, I don't know if you guys saw this, but you really need to click on that link right there. Somebody with a lot of time on his hands went and drew the Elite Dangerous logo on the Galaxy. So, on the Galaxy map that is in Elite Dangerous, you can zoom it all the way out and get a picture of what, what we think the Milky Way looks like from the top down and he plotted a 6500 jump course that let him draw the elite dangerous uh, like eagle vulture sparrow i don't know what the hell it is but thing on top of the galaxy and it's got a little time lapse video there that shows that shows his jump in about his jump route in about a minute and show, it's it's one line so he starts kind of on the edge of the galaxy and goes up and to the uh, up to the right does all the wing tip, comes back, does the head, goes out to the left, does the other wing tip, and then goes right back out to the edge of the galaxy to do the to, the, the other half of the tail. It's, it's the, impressive.
0: The video is cool. The video is really cool. When I first saw the picture of it, I was like, somebody just drew that. I thought he was just drawing where his, where his route had taken him or something, but watching it happen on the video, um, you kind of have to yeah. watch the video to get how cool it is.
2: Obviously, somebody's got a lot of time on their hands.
1: About a month is what it said.
2: Yeah, that's
1: just—it's pretty impressive. I mean, I mean it's all—all it's... All art is just somebody's got a lot of time on
0: their hands. Da Vinci had a lot of time on his hands. That's how yes. art—that's how art works. So that's not I, really I, a shot. I, will
2: give I you that time. One. Yeah,
1: but um, I don't see the cool factor here. I do. I think it's neat. I, he, he, he drew the Elite Dangerous logo on the galaxy. Oh, yeah, I th- I think I, it's which is cool.
2: impressive,
1: and, and and the comparison is of course drawing sky peonuses. I mean. That's the that's the that's the kind of the alternative, right? That's the real world alternative, and honestly, I think I find this a little more intricate. It required a lot more planning and forethought. You know, it required a a dedication, persistence. A lot of good things about this that a sky penis just does not compare with.
2: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I also think that sky penises aren't cool either. I mean. um, Oh, okay. So the the entire category
1: of sky drawing just doesn't impress you. Okay, I understand. Okay.
2: It's funny that Tony goes right to drawing the
0: sky wieners just out of the blue. Nobody was talking about that. But for a little backstory, there is a reason his mind goes right to that. It's because every time we play Elite Dangerous RPG, Ken Shadow decorates our board with rockets. And, and that's what that's all rockets about. That
1: yeah. that's what that's that resemble the rockets so. in that Austin Powers movie. That comment made no, a little also, more sense that,
0: in context, I think.
1: Well, well, the other the other context is what I, what I actually wrote in the in the copy there. You might remember from a few months ago, a couple of F eighteen pilots got in trouble. Oh yeah yeah. Uh, because uh, over Southern California, they drew a gigantic sky penis. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, there's multiple multiple angles for this, but I find I find the elite dangerous logo a little more. I don't know. No, really respectable. Respectable. We'll call it respectable. A better, a better example of of of, of, uh, of aerial art. So, but and again, ramping up, ramping up the bigly dangerous news. At least for us and uh, fans of the show, casual listeners of the show, relatives of casual listeners and fans of the show, people who work on the show, is that guard frequency response is now an official minor faction in the game. Yay! We're in, we're in the game, ladies and gentlemen. We're 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 officially a part of Elite Dangerous history. So we we got it was either my second or third option that I gave the customer service guys. We're we're on Anseith,
0: and that is probably the best place we could be considering GPR.
1: Well, yeah, I, I see the thing is is that we'd always we'd always based out of uh, Fabian City and Hip Two Hundred Two Seven Seven. We've been there for literally years, um, but I, I think a couple of other factions. Also, uh, base out of there too, so it was that one was likely already taken as an official quote official faction base um, by another by another player group, and that's fine. That's why they ask you to to uh, name two or three. So the other system I uh, gave them was uh, a system close to HIP two hundred two seven seven, just for convenience's sake, you know, just because it's really close. The third one. Uh, it was Anseith, and I picked that one because there's, like, some interesting lore from some of the old Elite games about it. It was like a used to be a really important system but fell on hard times, and I came across it during uh, uh, research for one of the old um, Asolome uh, deals or whatever, just kind of looking back at Elite lore and paging through some of the other um, game histories. I thought, that's a cool system. It's got some history. It's got some twists and turns. And when Elite started putting those tourist beacons in the game, and importing some of that lore from the old games via those tourist beacons, they showed up. And I'm like, oh, cool, so it's kind of canon now. So I, I, I thought Anseith would be a great, uh, kind of an interesting place, and I put it in GPR just in case that was the system we got. So, there's the backstory. So GPR, or GFR, via GPR, is now on Anseith. So, there's a little bit of history for you.
0: Also cool with the lore, I was listening to uh, the uh, in-game radio today, and I could swear they said yep. they were talking about an assassination on Capital, which is a, sta- uh, a ship or I'm sorry, a planet in the Anseith system.
1: This is this is where it's get it gets confusing because even in the old lore, they say Capital in Anseith, not to be confused with Capital in Achenar. Oh, is that where that was? Yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. Man, so, that's so cool. yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. So Capital, Capital is the name of the planet that is Achenar Six D. I think is what the official name is. That's the seat of the government of the empire and capital is also the official uh, the the name of Anseeth 4 Yeah. which is which is the 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 earth-like planet that orbits um, the main star in Anseeth. So it's it's yes it's kind of confusing that way but that's that's the the it's a you know I mean hell it's a big galaxy right they're going to be reusing names. Yeah, sure. A lot. Yeah. So uh uh, so, Capital is, is the Earth-like system, Earthlight planet both in Hachinar and in, in Seath. But the, the sort of like gameplay news for this is that we are now going to start playing part of the background simulation, the BGS of Elite, which is not something I've ever really toyed with, but it's been around since day one. It's exploity, buggy, weird, uh, Everything, most things about it have been discovered through trial and error and observation. Um, by players and then sort of shared as as, as you know lore and apocrypha and, and sort of guides and stuff. But I uh, want to give a special shout out to uh, Guard Frequency uh, frequent feedback contributor Akrosi who has been uh, uh, very helpful in sort of getting together sort of the initial Guard Frequency guide to the background simulation which we'll be sharing with anybody that wants to join up with us and, and of course you can research this on Reddit and the forums and and all that too if you want if you want to help out um but uh we've already we've launched a few missions just internally uh shiv's out there i'm out there across out there i'm um, out there rex gray's out there henry's out there uh jeff waiting for you to log in man okay Let's get out there get out there buddy and there's there's missions for all ages and uh, interests you can do data couriers, you can do mining eventually, you can do assassinations, you can do SRV surface scans, you can do just all kinds of, any, anything that's a mission, you can do, and that contributes to our takeover, kind of. The end goal of the background simulation is basically to uh, take over management of the station, uh, which, you know, you, you, it, it just is, you know, bragging rights more than anything else. It doesn't do anything. Um, it's still it's cool. It's just, haha. we... It's cool.
2: So, how does one get associated with uh, Guard see, Response?
1: You just go there and do missions for that faction. It's just that simple, and don't do missions for anybody else. So, it's it really is just that simple. And then once you take over a station, you can also do things like turn in bounties there and sell uh, cartographic data. So all that stuff raises uh, the influence of the of the owner of the station. So you want to do missions to get us to own the station. And then once we own the station, then you want to sell cargo there, you want to sell um, star chart data there, and you want to turn in bounties there.
2: Does this only work in open?
1: No, it works in all phases of the game, open, solo, and private group. The etiquette, and I want to stress this is the etiquette. The etiquette is to do it in open. You know, if, if somebody wanted to mess with you, and because you are affecting the galaxy to some extent, right? Not in any important way. It's just the background simulation. It doesn't. It doesn't really do much except change what missions are offered at one station versus another.
0: That's cool. I hadn't considered that. But, yeah, playing in uh, private mode, it's, it is it is kind of exploited to be affecting a simulation that affects <sighs> everyone yeah. when you're not touchable. That makes sense.
1: Well, no, but the, but the thing is you are touchable because it doesn't matter. Someone could log into their own private group and then go to Anseith and do missions for the other guys and make their influence go up and your influence go down. Oh,
0: so that's why so, I mean, it's it, etiquette, but meh. that yeah, I
1: it's 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 etiquette, right? I mean, I think I think and I'm not going to tell anybody that wants to help us no you have to do it in open rows. It's eh. because if somebody wants to mess with us, they can just go log into their own solo instance and run missions for you know the other the other side and ruin and screw us. But nobody wants sure, to do that do anyway. That.
0: Our fans are awesome. They're all going to everybody listening but, well, to us right, is going to
1: come and help, right? I, you know, there's a certain species of people we've talked about them before. I can't remember. Do we don't we don't call them asshats anymore because we got we got letters. Pin shadow. What do we call them again? <laughs> what do we call them again? Butt fedoras, I believe yeah. is what we call them. Yes, I believe we call them butt fedora. There, there's a certain class of people out there that just want to screw with you, right? And so, I mean, I get that, and and, and so it, those people have their have a way to do it if they want to. I I, I would hope they wouldn't because we're doing this just as just for fun. Anseeth is a tiny little out of the way system that I selected for stupid lore reasons, not because it's in the middle of a trade route or because it's super popular or whatever. It's just a little tiny out of the way system with eight planets. It's no big deal. So if you want to come help us out, that'd be great. If you want to mess with us, I suppose you can. You know, boo hoo, woe is us. But it, we think it's going to be kind of fun. We'll kind of, eventually, we'll kind of incorporate that into our RPG game uh, at some point down the line when, when our timeline catches up. This, this is going to be a new phase of the game for me personally because I've never done the background simulation before. And I think it's something uh, fun that we can do as a group um, and fans can jump in. You don't have to be a member of our private group, and you don't have to do it in the private group. I Like I said, the etiquette is to do it in open. But if you want to just join the private group and do it there, that's fine too. I'm not going to stop anybody. I can't. I literally can't. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, so th- that's that's the big exciting news for us. We congratulate the other 132 other minor factions who were added to the game at the same time we were. So there's there's a bunch of us out there, and that was and that's not including however many people made it in on the earlier uh, rounds. So there's literally hundreds of these little player groups. Uh, at the time I applied, I think you only had to have ten. You basically, had to have ten commander names um, associated with your group to make that, and we we cleared that easily. But it uh, should be a good time. should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, um, and uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll be reporting on it occasionally. First report's coming up here at the top of the hour. <laughs> Spencer <laughs> McDunn, Collective Public Radio. So uh,
0: the next thing to talk about is going to be another one for Tony, too, because uh, you had a lot to say here in Elite Dangerous, but everybody's going to want to hear what you got to say about the Star Citizen oil deal.
1: Well, yeah, so the other things that we had in there are kind of put together, so they're, they're going to have another dot-dot patch. This one is 3.1.4 or something. That's that's coming up. I, guess it got, I think it got pushed to the PTU or something like that. The next bit of news was that they had uh, ticket sales. So the, the CitizenCon tickets are going on sale. Uh, CitizenCon's in October in Austin. Uh, everyone's staying at Brian's house. or Actually, probably more precisely at Brian's Airbnb, which he's going to get. There may be 14 extra tenants that he does not tell the Airbnb people about. That's that's probably where this is going, um, and they're probably not space sim fans, so they're probably not listening to the show. Let's hope. Uh, Airbnb, if you are listening, I'm just speculating, and 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 that and that's a recurring thing, right? A CitizenCon's a thing that happens every year, and it's kind of a moneymaker for Star Citizen, right? I mean, they're this year, the cheap tickets are going for like eighty-seven bucks, and you can spend one hundred and forty or something like that. I don't know. I didn't get. I didn't look at the exact prices, but they're not cheap. They're not. Uh, uh, I'm going to see Weird Al Yankovic tomorrow, and we got the cheap seats for fifty bucks to go see Weird Al. So Weird Al Star. I mean, I don't know where you guys are at on the Weird Al versus Star Citizen thing, but it, it seems I'm a huge fan yeah, of Weird that's Al. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's less expensive to see Weird Al than to, to than to go to Star Citizen. So there's that. And then I come to kind of what got me kind of in a dither t- today. So as many of you are aware, I, I have conversations and I monitor the, the output of, of, of one Mr. Derek Smart. Uh, I, I follow him on the Twitters. And, and occasionally things come across his radar that uh, ping on mine that I follow up on. Um, one of them is the continuing saga of a former Star Citizen investor who soured on it, cashed his investment out and got out of it, sat still for a while, and is now making videos about his experience and his analysis on uh, of these things. His latest one I found particularly interesting because he compared Mr. Roberts, to the old-timey oil speculators like Daniel Day-Lewis played in that movie There Will Be Blood. The, the comparison was disturbing, mostly because it really kind of detailed the history and the focus of uh, the development of the game over the last few years. A couple things really stood out. Number one, the focus on the pitch. When Daniel day lewiss character went into pitch mode... He always had the same stock set of phrases. He trotted out the same cast of characters. He used the same... uh, He punched the same buttons of of, of desire and wish fulfillment and uh, hopes and dreams with his audience, right? But the Daniel Day-Lewis character just... As soon as you went into sales mode, when you're watching the movie, you saw it happen, right? It was very obvious when Daniel Day-Lewis, the actor... Had two characters to play. One was the pitch man, and one was the guy that was actually doing the oil the oil field work. And you saw him switch from one to another. And I think, to me, I see that a lot in a lot of the Chris Roberts pitches. The second thing that was disturbing to me was the sort of tactical behavior once the cameras were off and the pitching was done. And what 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 something that stood out in my mind very much so was that. A great deal of the development of the game over the last six years was outsourced to other companies, especially at the beginning. And then the focus internally, therefore, was spent on the marketing, on the pitching. And for all the boasting they did about not having a marketing arm or not having a marketing budget or not doing this, the entire company was set up to market. And the AI was outsourced to Moon Collider. The FPS module was outsourced to the, that company in Denver, whose name escapes me at the very at the moment. The web stuff, the web backend, was outsourced to uh, Turbulent Montreal. Um, you know, just the guts of the game, the responsibility for putting together the systems was pushed out of the company, but the creative part of the company, the part that was selling ships, that was kept internally, and it's and that what to me is very close to how the modern oil and gas industry works and where I work day to day is that most of your big oil operators they want to keep the, the management of it and they subcontract all the actual work out to everybody else. So when something breaks it's the subcontractor's fault. and the operator just keeps the he just runs the money pipeline and he sells the projects and he buys the projects and all the high level stuff is done there, but everything that's actually work gets pushed out. And that hit home to me too. So this is coming from a guy who was deep inside the enemy's council, as Gandalf said in Lord of the Rings. He he was he was in he was in the middle of the Star Citizen camp for a long time. Got disillusioned, got out. Is now putting these videos out with his analysis. Granted, it's one sided; it's his view. And but it a lot of what he said rang true to me, and made an interesting analogy to an industry that I'm quite familiar with and i can see the parallels that he that he drew so that wasn't a soapbox moment really i don't think jeff was that a soapbox moment
2: no i wouldn't classify that as a soapbox moment tony
1: okay all right yeah i i didn't i didn't know if it was soapboxy enough
2: that did not live up to your usual pontification.
1: Uh, I wasn't judgmental enough. Is that what it was? Uh, Yeah.
2: I don't –
0: I
1: think it doesn't apply because
0: you were just – you were explaining something rather than kind of ranting about it. I was confused when you first started with the movie analogy, but I started to get it as you went on. So Mm. thanks for the explanation because, yeah, it made a lot more sense. Uh, Even like the whole I got to watch it now because I don't get it. um, But when you stopped talking about the movie, everything made sense to me. So that was (laughs) good. I mean, I'm sorry about your analogy. It's just – I'm sure it was fine. I just didn't see the movie.
1: Well, the guy actually, I mean, the reason I'm saying, the reason I would refer to it as this, uh, is because the guy interspliced a lot of, uh, clips from the movie, uh, that oh, was no, like, I got movie. it. I yeah. just, I didn't yeah. get why,
2: but yeah. One thing you didn't do is put a link into the show notes on that.
1: I'm not sure that I'm going to mostly because, and again, it's not, it's not because I don't think people should go see it. If you did, the guy's name is Butcha. I think that's the, the fellow's name, um. He goes by that handle somehow uh, or another, um, and if you're and if you're interested in daring, you can go check out Derek Smart's feed on Twitter and, and go find it. The idea is that if you are a if you're somebody who we talked about before that that sort of spectrum, that wheel, and where people are in the wheel, the people that are on the true believer side either won't go to this video to watch it and, because nothing in there is going to be credible to them. And the ones that are dead set against it don't need to watch the video because they already know it's all a big scam and everything's going to crash and burn. The people in the middle, if they're really really curious, should seek it out. That's what that, I think that's what I'm saying. I think what I'm saying is if you're curious about it, you should seek it out. And in the seeking, you will find much finding. It's It'll be good. My purpose here tonight is not to uh, say whether that guy is right or wrong, just to say that he struck a chord with me. Uh, and his analysis, uh, I thought, um, hit home because of, of where I work with what I do every day. So it, it made a good, it made a lot of sense. And if other people can see that analogy or, or, or connect with that analogy, then it might make sense to you too. I don't think we're going to share it in the show notes just because you know, of, of the reasons I said before, but think on this, dear listeners, think on this topic. And, uh, if I didn't get soapboxy enough, sorry, Jeff, uh, maybe next time. Maybe it uh,
2: it's just that I only want to knock you down when you do that. That's all. You, know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just want me to get up on the
1: soapbox because it's easier to knock the soapbox out. For- okay, I get, I get it. That makes sense. That makes total sense.
0: That's just mean. That's so mean. It's true, but, you know,
1: it's part of his charm. It's part of his charm. So we keep him around. And now we're all cut up with Space Sim News. Let's get caught up on Space News with Galactic Public Radio.
2: Good evening from Galactic Public Radio on NC. I'm Spencer McDonough, and these are the top headlines from around the known galaxy. Public contemplation of the end of humanity as a species has caused an uproar in all corners of the galaxy. For the latest we go to Smooth Furnace.
1: Thanks Spencer. Simguru Pranav Antal, leader of the Utopia faction, has publicly announced his belief that humanity may be making its last stand against the Thargoids, and naturally his faction holds the key to avoiding that fate. In the event of a galactic catastrophe, Antal predicts that his Sim archive technology will be capable of surviving the Armageddon and maintaining a type of human life, although in digital form. To quote the Simguru, should there come a time when our physical selves no longer exist, it is the Sim Archive alone that will preserve humankind's essence, End quote. Many, however, are skeptical, not only of Antel's claims about the Sim Archive's capabilities, but also its necessity. Many independent pilots point to the successes of the Eagle Eye program, the anti-Xeno class of weapons, and the new Guardian-based technologies coming online. They also point to the eventual success of the Guardians against the Thargoids of their time. Some are going farther, calling the Sim Archive useless, and making the case that it's actually dangerous to humanity. The Marquis Felix Novantico, a retired military strategist for the Imperial Navy, claims that a centralized, digitized repository of human knowledge and expertise makes a very tempting target for any invasive alien species. The Marquis said, quote, Should the Thargoids gain access to it, it could lead to a better understanding of human psychology and allow them to anticipate our tactics more effectively. End quote. Will the hope for utopia prove our species undoing, or is it our best insurance policy against a powerful invader? For Galactic Public Radio, from the Polevnik System, I'm Smooth Furnace.
2: Thanks, Smooth. The murder of Imperial Senator Naster Cartesius remains unsolved, and the Imperial authorities remain tight-lipped about the progress on the murder. Captain Nima Satoya, who is leading the ISS investigation, would only confirm that they are, quote, currently pursuing forensic leads, end quote. The lack of official comment has fueled widespread public speculation about the Senator's family and its past involvement in the activities of the Intergalactic Naval Reserve Arm. Dr. Oscar Kincaid, an Alliance historian, confirmed that contemporaneous records suggest the INRA was involved in biological warfare research during the last Thargoid invasion in the 3100s. Dr. Kincaid also mentioned unconfirmed reports of experimentation on live Thargoid subjects, but noted that the historical evidence was flimsy at best for this claim. He went on to say that intergenerational vengeance is all too common in imperial politics, stating, There are many documented cases of retroactive retribution where one family or its followers seeks atonement from another. History's course is often diverted by the flow of the bloodlines. Seeking to head off any further potential vigilante acts among the imperial political class, Senator Pal Vespasian called for peace and calm in the wake of the murder, stating, quote, The loss of my friend and colleague in the Senate is a terrible tragedy. I ask that Nestor's family be given space to grieve. End quote. But has Fernandez, frequent commentator on independent media issues was less sympathetic, stating, quote, "...although it's hard to condone murder, it is also difficult not to see that this is an ethically gray area. The INRA's betrayal of Jameson is a monstrous injustice that cries out for redemption." End quote. Finally, in local news, Guard Frequency Response Limited, a risk management cooperative specializing in flight hazard mitigation, has opened offices on starports throughout the NC system. This is frequently seen as a prelude to taking over management of those starports. When reached for comment, Executive Vice Director Teresa Vallis of parent company Guard Frequency Response LLC stated, quote, Our board of directors decided that our usual business practices of rescue and retrieval were not sufficiently reducing casualty rates and insurance claims among the Pilot Federation members. It is our hope that a more direct approach to starport management might bring about the needed change. Establishing a subsidiary cooperative as an alternative to the current regime seemed the best way to accomplish that change." Any pilot wishing to join the cooperative are encouraged to inquire at GFR's office on Wild Refinery on ANSIF. For Galactic Public Radio, I'm Spencer McDunn. Good night.
1: As you are pilots, I'm Commander Kinetic Impulsor from Guard Frequency Response, here with the essential tips to get you around the deep black and back home again. Today I'm briefing you on lasers in Elite Dangerous. We noticed some of your rooks having issues with this and scheduled some training. Choosing your favorite space laser might seem like a simple fashion choice, but it can be the difference between your future as a bipedal flying traffic hazard and a background temperature sensor anomaly. Your typical modern-day death ray comes in three flavors, pulse, burst, and beam. And three sizes small medium and large yes there are huge lasers out there and we'll cover them separately for reasons that will become clear you can also choose between fixed gimbaled, or turreted mounts first the flavors pulse lasers are cheap efficient reliable and uh, kind of boring they file single shot charges of coherent photons on a regular cycle generating small amounts of heat drawing tiny amounts of power from your weapon's capacitor As a matter of fact, it's not too much of a stretch to fit a power distributor with sufficient recharge capacity to keep up with the drain caused by firing a pulse laser. That's basically an ammo clip as big as your reactor fuel tank. However, don't get too excited about that idea, because if a power distributor can keep up with your pulse laser, so can a few well-timed shield banks. However, if you're looking for inexpensive and reliable pressure damage, a pulse laser is a good choice. Burst lasers try to address the main drawback of the pulse laser. Damage spiking, by tripling up the pulses to fire in rapid sequence. A little more heat production, a skosh more power consumption. These are a good choice if you know you're going to be on and off target in rapid succession, like say in a crowded furball mixed with friendlies and bandits. And then there's the beam lasers. These are good for basically one thing, eating shields. All lasers do thermal damage, and beam lasers do a lot of it. However, they will drink your weapon's capacitor dry unless you have a ridiculously over-engineered distributor and four pips in that column. Even then, they generate comparatively large amounts of heat when they fire. Bottom line, they can output large amounts of thermal damage for a short period of time, which is what you need in a shield buster. But then you'll need some recharge and cooldown time, which gives your opponent time to recharge his shields or get out of range. Plan accordingly. Then there's the size issue. Your small and medium-sized weapons are generally considered more effective against, uh... Wait for it. Small and medium sized craft. If those are your anticipated adversaries, then really any flavor of laser has a use case in those slots, depending on your fighting style. Are you diverting lots of power to a kill warrant scanner or shield boosters? Go for the low draw pulse. Are you a hit and fade pilot? Bursts or beams are fine. On the other hand, if you're part of a pack hunting bigger game, consider using beams on those small and medium hardpoints. Bringing larger ship shields down quickly is usually key to winning those fights, and the larger thermal damage of beams will help with that. If you have a large size hardpoint available, then what lasers you put on them will probably be dictated by the rest of your loadout. Reactor draw, as opposed to simply capacitor drain, becomes a bigger issue as beam lasers take a lot of juice just to deploy. But if you've got enough reactor headroom, the rules of thumb for the smaller lasers still apply. Beams for shield busting, pulses and bursts for general damage, depending on your fighting style. And as we've covered turrets before in Lecture 195, I won't belabor them too much here. Suffice it to say, lasers are hit scan weapons, meaning that if the gunsight Pipper's on target at the instant you pull the trigger, you're going to score a hit. Now with pulses, that means you get the full benefit of the photon charge. With bursts and beams, that damage is applied over time, so the trick is to keep the Pipper on the target during the weapon's firing cycle. Bursts discharge pretty quickly, so that's not too tough, but beams can be a little trickier for two reasons. First, it's really tempting just to pull that trigger back and paste it there. It just looks cool. Second, when you graduate to the larger beams, it's actually composed of multiple emitters to maintain usable temperatures in the lasing column. You're actually firing several lasers in sequence, not one laser continuously. Therefore the laser's aim will jump around a little as the weapon switches from one emitter to another. You'll see it dance around on the target if you watch carefully. If your opponent's at long range and moving laterally, it can make a difference. Third, if you are less maneuverable than maybe you'd like, choosing gimbaled lasers over fixed can help. But that will come with reductions in damage output. Does that increased time on target overcome the loss of damage per second? Your results may vary, Nugget. Which brings me at last to the huge lasers. In my mind, there's only one thing to do with that weapon choice. Go engineer a long-range beam and go pick a fight with the biggest imperial cutter you can find. There's no such thing as a huge turret, and if you're mounting a size 4 laser on something, maneuverability is already not your strong suit. Sorry to disappoint you, Corvette pilots. You can move pretty well, but not that well. And if you've lance guys, you better not be putting lasers in that belly slot. What a waste. If you have a huge hardpoint and you really, really want to put a laser there, you've just assumed the role of Squadron shield buster. Build the rest of your ship accordingly. All right, boys and girls, pick up your Tinker Toys and change it to your flight suits. Skids up in 10. See you in the deep black.
0: Come on, mama's not going to save you today. Let's go. You want to fly or not? Let's kick the
1: tires and light the fires, big daddy. All right, so there you are. Up on a kind of a little little look over, and you can kind of see this big plane stretching out in front of you. You had four contacts. The large ones way out in the distance—that's the spaceport. You know, that's where you see that there's you know, traffic coming in and out and, uh, uh, from variety of different uh, mining outposts, legitimate and illegitimate both. Uh, presumably also from from one uh, or more of the contacts that are more a little more close to, uh, to you. The nearest one is a tiny blip. You can kind of see some sort of disturbance uh, against the ice, but it's not, it's not real clear. But you can kind of visually see where the radar contact is, but you can't make out any details of it. Um, then there's a sort of medium-sized one off a little bit farther away. Uh, and then farther off into the distance, there's one that's sort of sized between the two. So so if if we were to to categorize them, there'd be large way far away. There would be tiny up close. There would be small, not tiny, but small closer to the large one. And then there'd be a medium one between the tiny and the small if we were to size that up.
3: So if if we end up going past one of these to target something else, there's a good chance we might get seen. So it sounds like we should either skirt all the way around, or we should just uh, attack them in, or at least investigate them in order. Uh, I hate to tell you guys this, not really, because, well, you should know it anyway, but they let me up back there. If it was just once, then maybe they could have written it off as a fluke, but it, they, they painted me multiple times. Someone already knows we're here. Whoops.
0: Actually, couldn't that make it easy to figure out which building to go to wait till we see him come out? A good point.
3: I don't I don't see how that changes the plan of attack, though. I think that they don't know we are on ground vehicles at this point. They don't know for sure that we even landed.
0: Yeah, but can we see any activity from them finding us, Tony, if we're like looking around at the buildings? Do we see anything launching?
1: Do we see anybody? Everybody roll perception. I got an eight.
2: There it is. Okay.
1: Eight from Roland. Nine, Nine from Justin. Seven and nine, uh, you gaze out over the plane, you look at your radar scopes, you look at your thermal energy imaging systems, you don't see anything. And that was one of the reasons why you thought maybe this is the jackpot, because there's just not really any activity at all, at least not that your sensors or your mark one eyeballs can detect at this point.
3: Even if they don't know that we've landed, they know that somebody was sneaking through that trench back there. Somebody's gonna be, okay, dear, uh, going to what be going to expecting your, what? us what would you what's
0: your plan i'm not used to
3: vehicles i'm better on my feet i'm hoping you guys would tell me
0: i like kinshada's idea just hit him as we see him i mean we gotta go past the close one anyway
3: i think i think we have one of two options here without knowing more information about these things we either skirt all the way around and go for the uh the furthest one or we go for the the closest one if they're actually in a line like they look then going for one in the middle seems like the worst of both let, worlds.
1: Yeah, let me let me clarify the whole. It's not it's not like in a straight one shot line. They're, they're kind of offset a little bit. Just the, the the tiny one's a little more to like the left. The medium one's a little bit more to the right, and then the small one is kind of in the middle, but maybe a little a, a skosh off to the left. Maybe it's not an exact line because this terrain's not perfect.
3: How far away are the buildings from each other? Can I tell that?
1: Um. The, you, you can get an estimation you can get kind of a sense of it but the 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 tiny one um, I'm looking for like an order of magnitude <laughs> order of magnitude. let's say let's say the the, the 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 spaceport, the large contact you can tell exactly what that is that's probably a hundred kilometers in the distance that's a, that's 100 kilometers away. The close one 10. and then the the medium let's call it uh, 40 and then the small one let's call it 50. So the the tiny one's right up close, the medium and small are are farther out and they're kind they're not really close together but kind How of close How big are together.
0: vehicles in relation to the tiny one?
1: They're uh, again uh, using Ken Shadow's description, they're the same order of magnitude. You wouldn't expect it, you know, it's not it's not going to be an office building. Uh it's it's going to be something on the order of magnitude of a scarab. That's that's what that's that's tiny.
3: So it's you know just uh riffing here. Maybe it's a sensor station or something like that.
1: Blow it up sure a, a small like like a like a sh- like a shack you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be any bigger than a than a than a, a shack or a small house the tiny one that it's would just be, some it would guy not be ice fishing that. guys <laughs> <laughs> could be an ice fisherman but that's what it could be you don't know but but hey that's within the realm of possibility maybe he's got some floor wax and some windshield wiper maybe fluid in a, there. maybe we should search their closet maybe it's a supply closet we should check it out <laughs> A supply closet full of of, of all kinds it's of useful like, useful like space, solvents. Space ice Roombas and Roombas. Definitely Roombas. Ice Ice Planet Roombas. Never go into okay. combat without Hockey. some Windex. Zamb- Zamboni machines. They're miniature Zambonis for <laughs> keeping the ice smooth. That's exactly what it is. You have we to can steal one of those,
0: right?
3: As as someone as someone who likes to barrel forward, you know. Last call for suggestions. Let's so so just, just go in order. I'm just I'm just yeah, telling I'm you saying. guys Let's to be, be prepared, because somebody's going to be watching for us.
0: I've got my
1: weapons warmed up.
0: We're right behind <laughs> you. Go ahead, Ryo. Uh, I forgot your endgame <laughs> name. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: that's okay. So, Adira and Roland and Ale and Red. All right. Uh, so, uh, who's? And I just listed off what I consider what could be a marching order, but it doesn't have to be. If someone wants to change that up and get something else going, now would be the time to say. So
3: does does marching order matter? Oh, it could.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 or it could not. one of us is going to be in it, range of something first? So.
3: I think we should just all be in a parallel or, line and just or a mine or something.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, give me a marching order. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is formation. Bio. I'll go first. I don't care. Who has a high perce- right.
3: Who has the highest perception? Who is the best? No, that, I guess that's the wrong way to uh, to, to answer. Yes, that's right.
1: In, car- in character, please. In
3: character, please. And who thinks? Who is the best at like watching their sensors here?
1: Well, I've got decent per. Uh, on a scale of one to four, I would rate my,
0: <laughs> my <laughs> sensor skills at about a two. Because,
3: <laughs> because, well, I'm, I'm good. good to ship. I just I I, I I don't know
0: anything about these vehicle sensors here. I've already said I'm better on my feet. Well, I think uh somebody's got to go first and I'll do it. I don't care.
2: I'll go second.
3: I I I will be third. I guess that
0: makes me fourth.
2: Okay. We a, we a, we a, all right. So, we Henry line or box formation.
0: If it's up to me, I say a column like a straight line cuz that way and maybe a bit of distance between us as we don't know what's coming up. Roger. Yeah. If Henry hits
3: a
1: mine, yeah. It's a good idea. Probably That's what okay. I'm worried All about. Right. So you so. take off, you take you take off down a, kind of a gentle slope. It's not too rough. It, the, it, like I said, it, you came out of a of a canyon, like a, like a, Ryu was saying, like a trench run. Adira pointed out, it was like a trench run. So you're coming down from that. And the ter- terrain's not too terribly bad. Relatively clear. There are some sort of uh, gullies and things, and you, you have to navigate. So you don't always have line of sight on the blip. You sometimes duck in and out of uh, gullies and canyons to to try to do that, but you start picking your way towards that. Uh, uh, Henry, I want you to roll me a vehicle piloting check, please. You are the head bell cow. I rolled an eleven. Oh, I 10. you you. Th- this is this is child's play for you. As a matter of fact, this takes this. It was I said it was about ten kilometers away. It it feels like it was five. You just you you pick your way expertly through all the. Uh, the gullies and canyons and whatnot, and you arrive uh, at, what, uh, at the target zone and you find, after about 30 minutes of driving, it's a large articulated truck lying on its side. Uh, the front end's been smashed in and it looks like it sort of skidded and collided into uh, uh, some boulders that were nearby and it flipped uh, in the low gravity. I'd
0: like to look around and, or can I scan to see if there's anybody there or hurt? Did this happen recently? I'd like to figure out what I can
1: figure uh, out. Uh, yeah, Run. Uh, go ahead and do a perception check for me first off. 12, another 10. I told you I was Holy rolling 10s tonight, so, buddy. So, I told you. Yeah, ya. you are, man. So I know, so when as it you, crashed, as I know the pilot's name. Thing. <laughs> you know, you know, you, you know everything, and you see all. All right, so Henry rolls up on this thing and goes, "Oh my God, here it is! This is definitely the contact." He turns on his spotlights because, as he knows, there's a little switch there for spotlights, and bam, the whole scene lights up in front of him. Looks right in the front window and uh, finds and sees uh, uh, two bodies right away, frozen. They look frozen stiff. Uh, they're in the cab of the truck. Uh, everything. They're all tangled. They're not. They're not like. They're not mangled or anything like that, but you can tell that they were severely injured in the crash, and it's unlikely they survived it. They're they're still intact, but they were uh, traumatized by the crash, even in the low gravity. Um, and then uh, uh, you see nothing else. They, there's, there there appears to still be power to the cabin, uh, but it's like low light, maybe emergency power. Um, is there?
3: And, you said uh, this is a tr- you said truck. You mean like a hauling truck or like a scarab like ours?
1: No no it's like it's a, it's a truck like i said you know the the order of magnitude size would be no longer no you know no more than a shed it's like it's it's like a, a like a pens like a Penske moving truck or a u-haul moving yeah, truck Yeah yeah but it, can we is there can isn't we see this the
3: ground? Hmm? Isn't this supposed to be low atmosphere There's
1: no, yeah there's no atmosphere and low gravity. It's a space Roller truck. Gravity. It's not like a legit p- Penske okay. yeah. <laughs> It's a space U-Haul,
0: space Penske, yeah. space rider truck. Nobody it's dropped true. a Mack truck there and was like, well those guys are gonna yeah. die and freeze to death. <laughs> I know why they died. That's yes. a Mack truck from 1984.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't belong <laughs> yeah. here. The cause of death. Asphyxiation as soon as they pulled out of the garage, idiots.
3: It, 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 took, a, it took a sharp turn into like one of those time travel Star Trek episodes. <clears throat> So it, it can, is, can we see the cargo
1: compartment? I mean is uh, no that's that uh, Henry uh presumably Henry relays all this to you as you guys come up behind him and you, you can all turn on your floodlights and, and see this too. You, you you came up on the front end of the truck. So the cargo would be behind it. Cargo and then it I would like to,
3: to drive around to see the cargo end. Can I do that?
1: Hmm. Why don't you roll a vehicle piloting <laughs> check for me, smart ass?
3: I got a three ah.
0: So watch half
1: for them rocks, buddy. Don't get your front wheel stuck. So, so <laughs> as you go, I wonder what's happening at the back of the truck. You throw your SRV into reverse. And uh uh Shiv, I want you to, Wait, who is who is behind you in the marching order? Ryu. Ryu, I want you to roll a vehicle piloting check for me down.
2: You, Yay, you eight plus see one. you see
1: him throw his 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 scarab into reverse and go, oh crap, and you like immediately back up and duck out of his way. Because he's he's like He's on a mission. He's very curious about what's going on behind <laughs> rear this truck.
3: rear-view mirrors are for idiots. <laughs> so,
1: so, but he—you successfully dodge uh, Kinshadow's attempt to ram you, uh, and then uh, and, and shadow then drives around to the back of the uh, drives around to the back of the truck, and where you see—I the... just popped a wheelie real yeah, quick just,
0: and moved just... out of the way. Uh, you,
1: you, uh, where you, where you, you heard me the yell
3: door. yee-haw over the intercom, right? I
1: did So you knew it
2: was coming. <laughs>
1: So you, you drive around to the back of the truck and the car compartment is still is still uh it, the the door to the car compartment is still sealed uh roll another perception check for me 11
3: I got a natural oh, 10 oh
1: natural 10 so as you, and as you were driving around it you notice that there uh, there are it's kind of cracked and twisted so that if there was any atmosphere or pressurization inside the car compartment that's gone. Um, and so you'll you'll uh, the the door itself is is sealed and appears to be intact, but the uh, the if if there was anything requiring pressurization or atmosphere inside there, it's I hope not that's there not there full anymore.
2: of pineapples
1: or grapefruits or something. That'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be ruined produce at this point, ladies and gentlemen. So
3: that's something you normally haul around in an ice moon. It's a whole whole truck of grapefruits
1: <laughs> um, in a Mack truck. Yeah, it's unlikely. Makes sense to me. <laughs> All right, so you've got you've got a busted truck with uh, an intact rear door, a more or less intact cockpit running on emergency power, two dead bodies. Uh, okay, what do you want to do? Laying so outside. It's laying outside. I'm already
3: in. I'm already towards the back anyway. So does it? I guess it makes sense. There's not really a way to open the door to the back without me
1: hopping out of my vehicle, right? Yeah, you don't have a garage door opener in your SRV. I like, like a
3: robot arm
1: or something. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like a robot. No, no. Right. Well, you, you're, you're you all have your basic, the same basic spacesuits you had on the last mission. Uh, you know, it'll provide air and basic protection. It's not going to be anything fancy. Um, but it'll it'll let you get out and around on on the surface.
3: Okay. Well, I make sure I'm not going to kill myself, and then I'm going to get out of my car. Am I?
0: I'll, I'll go with gonna, you know,
3: Depressurize or whatever the hell I have to do.
0: So yeah. All right. Tony, my super scan didn't tell him us or anybody anything about what the cargo might have been, with it having been opened already. Even though the door was broken, there was a big crack. You,
1: the, no, the door's intact. There's cracks in the. You were driving up on the front, so right, you're looking at Ken Shadow drove around. Ken Shadow drove around to the backside to look at, check out the backside. You, you're able to tell it wasn't a scan because this isn't Star Trek. You can't scan things like in like a <laughs> Star Trek. You saw what you saw, and that. There's no no basically your perfect ten assures you that there's no one in ambush waiting to come out from behind the truck and blow your ass away. There's you have got a dead truck. Gotcha. Here. And our SRV doesn't have a scanner like our ship does. It has cheap ass scanners. What do you want to got look it. for? What are you trying to? Look I was
0: for? just seeing if there was a way to find
1: out if it was worth looking at the cargo before he gets out into his spacesuit and looks around. There's no there's no way to tell from inside your SRV what's gotcha. going It's just not it's just not complicated enough. You have that wave form scanner for people who play the game. You you would have been able to tell that there's a man-made object, and you're sitting right on top of it. Uh, you're sitting right on top of this man-made object. Mm. So, um, I, 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 uh, I
3: turned on my metagame scanner and figured there might be something worthwhile in a cargo truck.
1: Your metagame scanner is pinging, just like like mad. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you know it's, it's you're getting a high grade return off off the off your off your off your, off your ping there. All right, so Ken Shadows going to hop out of his uh, uh, scarab. Go Shiv's going with. And Keep an eye out. All right. So you, uh, two heads being better than one most of the time. You head to the back of the uh, truck. Where are you going?
3: Well, I'm going to make sure I'm armed. <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to inspect the latch to see if there's okay. um, a lock or anything like that on there.
1: Okay. Um, you, you look. There is no lock. Uh, it's just basically just a standard uh, cargo latch.
3: Okay. I'm going to open the damn thing then.
1: Okay. And you give it a tug and it sticks. It just, just kind of sticks. Okay. Let's um, tug
3: can okay, there's something I can get leverage with uh
1: you have uh, except for you st- have another person <laughs> and uh, you have another person <laughs> alright right, can... right, red
3: man help me with this damn thing
0: alright I'll get this part you get that
1: part All right.
3: <laughs> nothing Nothing. is there something I can shoot off with my damn gun
1: uh, I get the crowbar off the, the SRV okay and uh, where do you want to put the crowbar why don't you roll me a repair check
2: I know exactly where I want to put the crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm going to put that crowbar right now, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, uh, oh, under
1: vehicle. Okay. Guess no, no, yeah. I uh, don't think it's under vehicle. Is our vehicle? Repair. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh. Tw- all right. Okay. So, at, so Red Barnes, he's he knows he knows his way around recalcitrant equipment, and he sees that the crash has sort of bent the track, the track of the door. And he can kind of see where the where it's kinda of, it just needs it needs a little help. And uh, so he's able to sort of put the crowbar in there, unbend it. I'm gonna and impulse this kinetically with the crowbar. <laughs> you could do that. <laughs> you could kinetically impulse bits and pieces of the of the track on the doors with the, with that with that sufficient with that twelve repair skill roll that you made. Very nice. Very well. He done. He could use a shiv to uh,
0: kinetically impulse it.
1: Well, he would use a shiv to mm-hmm. prop it open once he gets it, once he has it yeah. kinetically impulsed to the proper place. Oh. That's right. Okay, so after all this has been has been done, uh, Red turns to Ken Shadow and says, "Try it now." <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Hey, thanks, buddy. And I I yank up on it. All right. Pops open, and inside you find a cargo container, not unlike the ones, the plethora of ones that you found uh, on the on the Aurora. Look, everybody, Andy.
0: drugs. Combat smack. All right, we're
1: getting ready to go into a fight. Give all of it all right. to Kinshadow.
3: All right, I'm gonna like pull out my PDA or whatever and, and take some take some pictures and stuff. And then mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna go check out the crates, Let's get some. All right, get some... there's
1: just there's a crate. It's just, oh, it's one uh, oh, wait, crate. wait, wait, wait. Is it? Hang locked? on a minute. Hang on. Let me check the notes here. Yeah, it's uh, it is a crate. Can I can I check for traps? You can. Uh, roll perception. I got a ten. ten. It appears to be safe. All right, I, I, I opened the obvious. crate.
0: Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? we so let's just be friendly.
1: Some say he daydreams about validating the accusations of prosecutors and that he has delusions of grand jury, but all he knows is he's called the Shiv and he'll put together this week's feedback.
2: Oh, my God, where does he come <laughs> up with these things? I have
1: to take partial responsibility for this one. Uh, I kept his pun in there, but I messed with the definition a little bit to make it a little smoother, more accurate. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna—I have to take partial responsibility for this. All week's right. One. Well, yeah. You get but the it pa- You get the
2: paddle board this week. <laughs> <laughs> a recap of last week's community questions: Gas, is it something you're planning on worrying about in the game, or will you just take it as it comes?
0: Rex Gray writes: Great show, guys. Ryu seems like a good addition to the team. And it sounds like she's going to show you how it's done when you get Dirtside. To the question on gas, I don't plan on thinking actively about it in Star Citizen. I'm thinking to approach it like I do in Elite Dangerous. I just use proper flight planning before undocking. That way I can focus on important part, flying. On another topic, now that GFR is in-universe with GPR, any chance of hearing from our favorite band of pilots, interviews, or reports on shenanigans? Finally, I missed feedback last week. So I wanted to say thanks for the nugget segment on Shields. I got to have one of those. Why haven't I been thinking about this more? Moments.
1: Well, I'm sorry I don't do a nugget segment every week. Sometimes life gets away from me. I record it separately after after the show. So depending on how much family and work are on the weekends, uh, but I try to get it every week. Uh, and I and last week didn't have one. This week we will. Uh, so thanks. Keep listening and, and keep giving me feedback. And if there's anything anybody wants me to cover. Don't be shy, because uh, I'll be happy to dig into whatever. Oh, and as, as far as uh, we hear from pilots, you'll be hearing indirectly from them, uh, from the piloting group as a whole, because every once in a while, when something happens, we'll have uh, Spencer uh, update the universe as to what's going on in his local system. And Seath, uh, there with the local politics, with the, with the sp- station management and so on. So you'll be hearing from us indirectly, yes. Ken from Chicago says, Ah, here's the return of the old classic, my belated feedback. Game features should be fast and broken if they are quickly patched. Regardless of speed, female characters should come out at the same time as male characters, especially if you iterate male characters, ships and weapons, etc. Number two, there should be both kinds of starter ships. Paragraph two, subparagraph A, to introduce the game and basic game mechanics, e.g. jack-of-all-trades ship. B, to introduce individual professions and their basic mechanics, e.g., starter miner ships, starter passenger ships, starter trader ships, etc Paragraph 3 then is I'll deal with the problem of gas when it shows up So, I, I want to point out from Ken from Chicago here his use of uh, the Latin abbreviations which as an attorney I appreciate uh, e.g. adjustum generis things of this sort ETC etc meaning uh, more things of this type it's well, well done. I applaud him uh, in the use of the, of the Latin there. Good job
2: And Sean Newboy writes in uh, with a little more than his usual wonderful show, everyone, which he did write in and say. He goes on to say, Fuel should be something that causes concern in certain instances. You should not have to worry about it for a launch and intercept, but should definitely be the cause for concern for a full star system patrol or other long-range circumstances. Don't get me wrong, I don't mind my Star Trek ships, never really having to worry about resources but in a game i would love to have to make choices that change the whole gaming experience and challenge for more realism pineapple should not be on every pizza and strictly speaking ham is a lazy choice canadian bacon for the win (laughs) the proper veggie for that combo would of course be green red pepper I found the non-secular comic for 426 very amusing today because of one of the show's characters. And the comic shows a group of people pulling a huge Egyptian-style mo- uh, obelisk and saying, no, something calling it artisanal handcrafted obelisk doesn't make me feel any better.
1: So I don't know. I think hauling something artisanal should make you feel better. Better about it. You're, you're lending your your labor to the experience. It's, it's definitely handcrafted. If you're pulling this hundred-ton piece of rock behind you, that's
2: definitely handcrafted. And well, I think the I think the things it was is someone calling it artisanal or artisanal doesn't make anything feel anyone anyway any better. well
1: yeah and, and at and at the time that this was made there was no choice but for everything to be artisanal everything had to be there was no alternative uh-huh. they weren't they, they couldn't mass produce an obelisk obelisk you couldn't do it okay so yeah it, it's there's it's it's humorous there's a few many many angles of humor but if you have to explain the joke it, it's not funny anymore although i do have to say that the whole pineapple on pizza i mean it it's okay I no, like it, and it's his, not okay. And his point about Canadian bacon versus ham—well spoken, sir. Yes, well spoken. Yes. Well spoken. Yes, that we can we can all agree on that, as long as Henry agrees with it, right, Henry? Pineapple
0: on pizza, Meh.
1: He's meh. No, but well, like the Canadian bacon part. Oh
0: yeah, Canadian bacon's fine. I, I like pineapple on pizza. It's Just kind of, you know.
1: Anyway, on to general feedback. Wow, so that that's so that's Henry with the hard-hitting controversy. Thanks, thanks for Sorry, thanks for sticking it to all us I have. there, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: in general feedback alec turner writes so you know like when you hear intro music for cheers or mash or friends and you feel all cozy and warm and you reach for your slippers and warm blanket to settle in well that's how i feel when i hear my dad's turning green like literally green and the guard frequency intro music plays that's awesome thanks for that uh yeah. P.S. i've been drinking a smidgen but that's when the truth comes out right absolutely that's true and then he says, "Keep on the guard, you righteous And I'm editing myself just to keep us family
1: friendly. But it's it's more fun when they can bleep us. Mikey, go ahead and bleep where he says bleepers, <laughs> just and just pretend and just pretend that uh, he actually he wrote said the word. But I didn't want to say it. He sure did. It's just, yeah, it's he didn't write in. And I, and thank you for saying that, Henry. Because now Mikey can keep this whole bit in there and bleep it two more times, which is great. <laughs> Mikey, don't cut any of that. Keep it all in. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I actually I shared this feedback with my son who was the literally green uh fellow in in the intro that oh, you hear he? every That's week. That's
0: cool. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he was all he was all of a of a, of a bright and smiley. What like ten year ten years old? He was, <laughs> yeah, he's think he was ten when he recorded that, and he says, "I can't do it anymore, Dad, because I don't sound like a kid anymore." And I'm like, "No, you don't. Uh, you sound like a disinterested teenager." So if he, now if he recorded, be like, "Hey, my dad's turning green again." Like, whatever again literally green I don't even I don't even care whatever can I hang up now yeah so uh, that that, yeah so it it wouldn't have the same impact Uh, but uh, yeah but he appreciated that you appreciated that that was the line that you that you liked the best
0: so uh, you are the dad that turned green how did
1: that work out for you I, I'm fine, except I'm still hosting a podcast four years later. I don't know if that has any effect on my <laughs> health or anything, but but here I am. Here I am uh, doing that. Uh, Phoenix D Fire from Lave Radio here, and he says, uh, just to let you know, the D Day thing is not a thing. There is no D Day in Elite Dangerous. Unfortunately, Normandy said, and I don't know who Normandy is, but. Um, uh, he goes on to say, The Pollux listening post doesn't refer to an in-game event, and you can read the full explanation here. Uh, so what he's referring to is we did a GPR bit about uh, the, the something bad might be happening. It, it, is it, there's a real in-game listening post that's broadcasting this message. Speculation was rampant on the forums. It seemed like a fun thing to do a GPR story on. But it turns out that what it was is a memorial to a Elite Dangerous player that was requested. And the devs honored that request and put this listening post out there with this bit of French poetry that, uh, I guess, was uh, significant to the player that passed away. Uh, so, uh, again, it's one of those little it's it's a Easter egg for people that know where to look for it and why it's there. Although I think maybe it might be cooler as a memorial is if someone put in memoriam commander X, Y, Z way, I think that would be, that would be better, or you know, listening post in memoriam Commander X Y Z or something like that. I think that'd be, I think that'd be a little, a little better. I had fun with it. I had fun with the GPR thing about it, but it might cool down some forum speculation if they did it that way. Uh, he goes on to say, I completely agree with the pineapple on pizza. There are sick people in the world. However, Haggis on pizza is a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Smiley face. Yeah. Enjoying the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Jeff would get a kick out of that. Yeah. So, so 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 I guess two points for Jeff this week. People are dissing on the pineapple for pizza.
2: That's right. But then and Haggis. But then haggis. I, haggis on pizza, that's awesome.
0: There's not like a, a sarcasm font, so that is a joke, right? He's kidding, right? No, make, he's not. They kidding. they make haggis pizza? No.
2: Oh, thank You God. make haggis and you make pizza and you put haggis on pizza. But there's like no place you can
0: order a haggis pizza in the world, I'll bet. Except maybe Jeff's house.
2: <laughs> yeah, except maybe my place. <laughs> Have you I, actually
1: done I, that, Jeff? What? Don't tell me, you haven't actually done that.
2: I have actually done that. When before. hasn't he done? You that? have. <laughs> I, I make traditional you... haggis, so uh, yeah, I, I have done that. I mean, what do you, do with, lefto- on... what do, you do with leftover? Haggis? What do you do with leftover haggis? You put it on pizza. What do you do with leftover haggis? Leave it at the place where you got <laughs> it and don't take it home.
1: How much of it was leftover? Most of that. <laughs> <laughs> over. Most, most, most we're going to be eating pizza for months in our house haggis pizza from now until Christmas oh no way and then I'll make another haggis at Christmas and we'll be set for the next year uh, Ken from
0: Chicago says there's a reason you can't order haggis on pizza
1: we know dude we know we get it we get it Jeff doesn't get it we get it Jeff doesn't get it we get it Henry and I we get it
2: it's nothing like a good scotch egg and a bit of haggis in the morning
1: that's scotch eggs, I'll get behind that. I like Scotch eggs; those are good.
2: So, our new Patreon this week is no one because you know if we had some T-shirts now,
1: some some new cool prizes like T-shirts, like the one Henry's wearing now. We we gotta we gotta finish that up, Henry. We gotta we gotta work that out.
2: Uh, and uh, no random winner, you know. So we're we're kind of stuck in there too. So anyway, yeah, I yeah. I'll, I'll, I could make the random winner a bit of haggis. leftover <laughs> haggis.
1: Yeah, tell you what, tell you what, if we oh. if we get five new patrons this week, Jeff won't mail everybody on the supporters list a bit of leftover haggis. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hold you all hostage. Every single one of you guys are holding uh, hostage. Oh, that's
0: what we do when Kinshadow has his uh, Star Citizen party and they have that Airbnb. We order a bunch of haggis pizzas and have them sent there. That'd be yeah, a, that's a prank. Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: Well, we, yeah, that's a great, that's the greatest prank of all time. And this week's community question, who wants to help us take over the galaxy? Well, one tiny little star system anyway. And let us, uh, let us know otherwise how was the show. Did we strike a gusher of fun for you guys, or did we drill all this way for a dry hole? Either way, let us know. Drop an email, a tweet, or a comment on our show posts, which you can find on our website and over on our Facebook page. And that brings us to the end of episode 211 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 212 on May 8th, 2018, so be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com.
2: We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artist, Ben Sanders, and of course, our audio engineers, Mikey and Lennon. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and a special thanks to Ronald
0: Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce
1: thrust. 2330. Car 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the ground. Go, Tony. Sorry I, was checking. Go, Tony. sorry, I was checking the recording and lost my place, but now I found my place. Go. We, okay, go. go, Tony. We don't have That's all right. night, <laughs> Tony. It's getting very That's late, right. sir. Go. It's like
0: 1135 <laughs> now. Good God, shut up.
1: <laughs> we want to thank all our Patreons to support us. We can... Okay, now I'm too. He knows how we feel.
2: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> Silence. Wait a minute, Jeff, <clears throat> rewrite it while he's
0: trying to read it. Then he'll know how we feel. <laughs>
1: When you do it, make big editing sounds. Make sure I can hear your keyboard. We want to thank all our patrons. Dang it. <laughs> we want to thank all our patrons. Who's...
2: That's you, Henry.
0: It says Ken Shadow. I was waiting for him.
2: <clears throat> yeah, we wait. A
1: long. Time. <laughs> he's at a bar with a bunch of other Star Citizen fans. That's what he's doing tonight. Oh, man. He made this up to, he made it to song and dance about his wife having plans for him. Then he tweets out. A picture of him and a bunch of people drinking. Oh, yeah. That was his wife's plan for him to go to the Star Citizen (laughs) Party. His wife planned Yeah. yeah, Of course, exactly. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, so I'm
2: going to read the news now. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, can I, can I interrupt for a second here, Tony? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, for some reason, you, I'm, I'm watching the Twitch stream. You, it never goes to you when you're speaking. It just goes to either, um, Henry or I. I don't know what, why that is, but, uh, um, if you can well, because you guys are more
1: handsome than me, I am very handsome, and I do have a nice hat.
0: I can confirm that nobody can see you in chat in uh, Twitch. So I made a picture of you in your nice hat, so that this I'll hold up while you oh, talk.
1: Okay, so when I'm talking, yeah. that's good. Yes, thank you. Thank yes, yeah. Henry is the artist over on uh, a Priority One. So I mean, his artistic skills, as demonstrated here, <laughs> second to none. This is very distracting, Henry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. For an audio podcast, for an audio podcast, it's extremely distracting to have somebody waving a smiley face with a goatee and hat. Well, see, you can't in see in, in
0: Twitch. That's all they see is me standing here listening to you.
2: So they just see me looking that's around. It. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. yeah Specializing in flight hazard. <clears throat> Specializing in flight hazard mitigation has. I wanted this in here, and now I can't even read it. <laughs> <clears throat> Contemplation.